This is ARRL's Eclectic Tech, a bi-weekly look at the technical and scientific side of amateur radio with your host Steve Ford, WB8IMY. Eclectic Tech is brought to you by ICOM. ICOM, for the love of ham radio, is about the passion for an incredible hobby. Visit ICOM in the community webpage at www.icomamerica.com forward slash community. Amateur radio operators have always had intimate relationships with magnetic fields. After all, we communicate with electromagnetic signals. It's part and parcel of what we do. I've always had an interest in magnetism, which is really spooky stuff when you think about it. I mean, have you ever held two magnets and tried to push either the positive or negative poles of both magnets together? To this day, I can't get over that strange feeling of resistance. It's as if an invisible substance occupied the space between the magnets and was stubbornly holding them apart. It almost feels like a living thing. Well, of course, we're bathed in magnetic fields every day of our lives. The Earth's magnetic field, the one that keeps our atmosphere from being ripped away by the solar wind, is actually pretty weak. The strength varies, but our geomagnetism comes in at about 0.3 to 0.5 Gauss. However, that's apparently enough for some birds and other animals to use it for navigation, so who am I to complain? If you've ever undergone magnetic resonance imaging or an MRI, that magnetic field was outrageously stronger at one Tesla. That's 10 to the fourth power Gauss. Scientists have a vested interest in pushing the magnetic envelope much further. Nuclear fusion reactors are predicted to need kilotesla fields just to combine all that super-hot plasma. Of course, nuclear fusion reactors are always just 20 years away, right? Well, anyway, we can go a lot farther than kilotesla, according to the scientists. Recently, researchers at Osaka University discovered a novel mechanism called a microtube implosion that they believe can create mega-tesla fields. To put this in perspective, such high magnetic fields are expected only in things like neutron stars, magnetars. We're talking way, way out there at the edge of the envelope. So here's a quick and very shallow summary of how it works. They're talking about using intense lasers to blast tiny plastic microtubes that are one-tenth the thickness of a human hair. This would create insanely hot electrons with temperatures of tens of billions of degrees. These hot electrons, along with some cold ions, would expand into the microtube cavity at almost the speed of light. The microtubes would already be under the influence of kilotesla magnetic fields that would cause these particles to twist, and like the fields in an energized inductor, produce currents on the order of 10 to the 15th power amps. I can't even get my head around that much current. The result is a mega Tesla magnetic field. The study was conducted by Masakatsu Murakami and his colleagues, and they've confirmed that current laser technology can actually pull this off. When I had an MRI investigation of my knee last year, the technicians wanted to make sure that I didn't have any ferrous metal on or in my body. When I asked if that was important, they said it was, and said that I didn't want to find out why. Well, <laughs> I understand that mega-Tesla fields can have amazing applications, but I think during the testing phase, at least, I'll uh, be keeping my distance. 
I'm on the telephone with Bob Allison, WB1GCM, the ARRL Assistant Laboratory Manager. Good afternoon, Bob. Hello, Steve. Good afternoon. I've been talking to you, oh, it seems like for years now, off and on, about noise interference, interference issues in particular. I've had one that I've been grappling with here at my station, and I'm reasonably sure I know what it is because it's a switching power supply in my computer. Here's what it sounds like. When I switch the computer off, the noise vanishes. So at least I know the source of the noise. Does this sound like switching power supply noise to you? Yes, it is. That's a switcher. Uh, Typical, you'll see clumps of noise every 30, 40, but evenly spaced clumps of noise across the dial. Usually it's found uh, in the lower uh, HF spectrum and uh, medium wave spectrum, uh, most notable there. But switch mode power supplies can affect uh, any any amateur band all the way up to, I've heard them up to 70 centimeters. Yeah, mine in particular is on 20 meters, and it's every 70 kilohertz. Does that sound right? Yes. Now, Bob, in my case, obviously, I know the source of the noise, but what if I didn't? What's the standard approach for hunting down the culprit? Oh, that's a great question. The first is um, tune in the noise that's affecting you uh, on a battery-powered receiver. A portable radio runs off of batteries. And um, confirm it's the exact noise that you're hearing on your amateur transceiver. And then go over to your circuit breaker panel in your house and kill the main breaker. Of course, shut down any computers that you have or any other sensitive equipment. Um, but be very, very careful to see if the noise goes away as you turn things off. And especially when you turn off that main breaker. If you turn off the main breaker and the noise goes away, that means that that noise source is somewhere within your structure. So the next step is to turn on the main breaker and turn off all the sub-breakers in your house. Turn them on one at a time until the noise source appears, and you'll find out that you may have more than one noise source in your house. Very possible. But you turn on one at a time, and when uh, that noise source reappears, it's going to be on that circuit. Go to where things are on in the house. Hopefully your circuit breaker panel is labeled and you know what outlets is on what circuit, right? <laughs> but uh, see which uh, what's plugged in and then unplug one thing at a time until the noise source goes away. All the time listening on your battery-powered uh, uh, shortwave radio. Now, what if you turn off everything, Bob, and it's still there? That means that the noise is not coming from within the house, and it's probably coming from a neighbor. Oh, so now what? Well... You have a couple options. Um, the best part is uh, if you have a, a neighbor that you get along with and you're friends, that's great. You can knock on the door and say, hey, I got this noise. Uh, here it is. This is what it sounds like on my radios over here. Do you suppose that you and I could work together and see if I could solve the problem? It, it, it appears to be coming from your house. And in my case, I have this wonderful next-door neighbor. She's great. She even actually helped me put up a ham radio antenna or two. And uh, I've knocked on her door, and it turns out usually the things like wall warts um, plugged into an outlet strip. And so what you do is you take that uh, cord attached to the outlet strip um, and wrap wrap that uh, AC cord of the outlet strip around a, a toroid, or you try to use toroids as a filter, and they get rid of the, the uh, 
conducted emission caused by that switch mode power supply. A lot of times, switch mode power supplies, they unintentionally generate this RF hash, and it gets conducted onto the power line, which plugs into your uh, AC wiring into your house. So now your house wiring is the antenna, and that little switch mode power supply is the noise generator. So if you can choke off all that uh, noise coming out of that device down its AC line cord, uh, all the better. And you can choke that off and eliminate a lot of it that way. Let's go back inside my house. Let's say that, okay, it, it is coming from one of my rooms. I go in the room, and so you're telling me that it's likely to be a switch mode power supply on some device in the room, is that correct? Yes, it could be. Uh, again, if that's uh, clumped every 30, 40 kilohertz, the signature of a switch mode power supply, um, chances are it's going to be, again, on that circuit that you've energized and all of a sudden that noise reappeared again and you got to go hunt for everything plugged into that circuit. Um, it could be uh, maybe a television or something that has a switch mode power supply built into it. So then you have to unplug one thing at a time again till that noise goes away. And if you find it, or I should say when you find it, we'll be more optimistic here. The cure, you've already mentioned toroids, just any old toroid? I suspect not, right? Well, no. Uh, there's a, a mix, uh, per se. Uh, they're called ferrite cores, and there's a certain number assigned to them. Number 31 and number 43 toroids. Uh, Fairrite uh, makes toroids, for instance, uh, and that you could buy. You can uh, find them on the web. Just type in uh, Google search, t- type 43 toroids uh, and RFI, and you'll find uh, vendors for those things. And they're of, come in a variety of sizes because, well, so do the AC line cords. Some AC line cords are pretty fat, and you want to get as many turns around that uh, ferrite uh, toroid as much as possible. How many turns would you recommend generally? Well, uh, the more the better, and sometimes you have to use more than one choke if uh, if needed, or more than one toroid uh, to choke it off. Um, but as many turns as you can get, uh, that's convenient. What about the clamp-on type? Uh, they're not toroids, but the clamp-on type ferrites. Do those work? They do, but um, think of it as only putting one turn around uh, a a toroid itself. One turn on a toroid isn't a lot, so the clamp-ons do something, but not a lot. It's much better off if you can tightly wind that cord around uh, a toroid. You would need a bunch of clamp-ons on the power cable, is what you're telling me, what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, clamp-ons are okay for some things. Sometimes they work good for speakers. But uh, not for as much as conducted emissions. So use those uh, toroids, wrap the AC power cord around that uh, many, many times, and that'll, that'll knock it down. For instance, I have, I had, <laughs> I bought this uh, clothes washer, and it had one of these DC pulse motors that uh, made it very energy efficient, but it started up the motor very, very slowly, slowly added energy to it. Or, and uh, it was the controller for that noise was very, very, very noisy. And the only way to knock that noise down, and it, come, it came through every handband in the house, was to uh, wrap that AC power cord from the clothes washer around toroids. And I had three large toroids that were about maybe three inches in diameter. I wrapped the cords around them, had three of them, then plugged it in again and knocked the noise down considerably. 
I have exactly the same problem with our washer. I can tell you in a heartbeat when my wife is doing laundry. And if I'm on HF, I hear it everywhere. But the good thing about that is you can coordinate with your wife when you want to uh, do amateur radio and maybe not do the clothes or uh, use the other appliance that makes that noise. But you can't control the neighbor that has that same noisy appliance. So be happy if it's in your own house. Now, one interesting aspect of my computer noise, and I'd be interested to get your comments on this. Just for the heck of it, Bob, I ran a wire from the ground terminal on my transceiver on the chassis to the chassis of the computer. This is a desktop computer. The noise didn't go away, but it decreased noticeably. Is that normal? Yes, it's a good idea to ground everything, including the case of the computer. There will be some strange instances when you ground a device that makes the noise go up. Why, I can't explain, but that does happen. I've seen that, but for the most part, it does go down. Ground all your chassis together, and you eliminate ground loops and things like that. That'll uh, creep in unexpectedly. Usually uh, when you don't want them to, let's say, during a contest. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. And what about, Bob, those power strips that you see for sale that allegedly have filtering built into them? Are they effective at all? No, I think most of them are only surge protectors. Um, filtering, I, I, I haven't seen one that really worked uh, very, very well. But um, don't forget, though, um, e- even if you do have all that noise, you still have a couple controls on your amateur transceiver, such as the noise blanker and the digital noise reduction. So if you can't get rid of all that noise, there's a couple of options on your transceiver that does help. A noise blanker helps out when you have uh, pulses like ignition, ignition noise, or any other kind of uh, lightning, perhaps, impulse-type noise. The noise blanker is great for that. And for other wideband noise, it's, you get it all across the dial, like from uh, uh, power line noise or plasma TV interference. That's when your digital noise reduction uh, works. Problem is, you lose a little bit of audio quality. Sometimes it sounds like uh, you're talking to spacemen, but it increases the signal-to-noise ratio uh, using digital noise reduction. So you want to try to eliminate all the sources as as much as possible in your house. And, um, uh, again, if you can't, you've got all those little extra gadgets on today's modern transceivers. That does help quite a bit. I mean, the noise that uh, is being generated by my computer, frankly, is just a mild irritant. It's not even all that strong. And again, as you say, it's only 70, 75 kilohertz. So far, it hasn't caused me to uh, lose a DX contact or anything of that nature. But, you know, it's just something that I think, eh, I wish I could get rid of this. Sure. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, as a reminder, we have a great RFI uh, pages on the ARRL website. So if you go to ARRL.org forward slash radio hyphen frequency hyphen interference, you're going to go to some great pages that will help you out uh, locate and identify interference that you might be hearing in your ham radio shack. As I recall, on that page, you have some sound samples, don't you, of typical interference? Yes, there's a page called Sounds of RFI. Um, So that might help you identify using the sound, but that's always not the best method. Best method, if you really want to cut to the chase and spend the least amount of time searching for your RFI source. 
shut off the main breaker while listening to that battery-powered radio. And again, if that battery-powered radio goes silent when you hit, hit, hit the main breaker, that means the noise is coming from somewhere inside your house. Not to put you on the spot, but... What if I don't have a battery-powered radio, or at least not one that tunes HF? Then uh, what you need to do is go out and get a hold of one, I would guess. Uh, you'd do it that way, or you'd have to just painstakingly uh, uh, shut off one device in your house at a time, walk back to your ham shack, and uh, see if the noise goes away. That's where it would help to have a friend sitting by the radio and have them shout, It went away! Or you could use... Uh, a couple of handhelds and uh, use two-way radio to do that, too. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of inexpensive handhelds are great for determining all sorts of problems, whether it's an antenna problem outside or RFI uh, hunting inside or outside. Oh, you bet. Well, thank you very much, Bob. This has been very helpful. Oh, you're very welcome, Steve. Glad to be of service to you and to the ARRL members and listening audience. Tune in again for the next episode of Eclectic Tech, produced by ARRL, the National Association for Amateur Radio. Music is provided by Purple Planet at purpleplanet.com. If you have comments, email eclectic at arrl.org. This episode is copyright ARRL and all rights are reserved. I'm Sabrina Jackson, KC1JMW. See you next time.